Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the 13th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who sowed good seed in his field. But when everyone was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds amongst the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. The servants came and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, the farmer replied, and the servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at that time I will tell the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring it to the barn." And then later, as the crowd left and went into the house, each disciple came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the wheat in the field. And Jesus answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angel. As so the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will weed out His kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them in the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let them hear. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, let those who have ears hear The message is so plain to us. Let our ears be so tuned to you that we would not just hear your words, but we would listen to them deep into our souls that our lives would be transformed so that we would not just be hearers of your word, but in fact doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. In the 1980s cult classic film, The Blues Brothers, Jake and Elwood Blues embark upon a journey to reunite their band, to reunite their band for a benefit concert. Their target is to raise about $5,000 to pay the back taxes on the Catholic orphanage that raised them up. And so at each juncture in their journey, when they made an ask of their friends, Or something came up, and it seemed as if just in the moment the ask might fall flat on its face. 
Dan Aykroyd's character would say, we're on a mission from God. And it was at that moment that he would say that and would take that adversity head on. We're on a mission from God. And I think when I think of those words, I think it says so much about who we are and about our work here in God's kingdom on earth that we too are on a mission from God. And our selection from Matthew's gospel today, Jesus again finds himself surrounded by a large crowd teaching them the message of hope and grace and love And he taught that in a way that people could understand it. He told parables. He told stories that people could relate to their lives. Today's selection, because so much of their economy was an agro-economy, it was an agricultural story about planting wheat and about weeds. Something that the people could understand. And he broke it down so plainly that God is the farmer, the sower of the seed, God's word, and the soil is the world in which we live in all who hear that word. But in the story, the evil one comes and plants dissension, plants sin, plants those things that distract us from God. If you're like me, any of us that have planted a garden or a lawn or working crops, we understand what this parable is about. Because even with the best of our intentions to carefully till the soil, to carefully pull the weeds out before we plant seeds, we know that as the crops grow, as the vegetables come in, as the lawn grows, weeds find their way in. And we're left with this conundrum, do we kill the plot to eliminate the weeds, or do we let it grow until harvest? See, in Jesus' teaching in the kingdom of God, he basically says we're going to let it grow to the time of harvest, and God will sort it out. Now, this text has been used sometimes by church people to talk about conflict within the church, about how dissension gets sowed within the life and the culture of a congregation. Or maybe it's used by evangelists to challenge folks to take their faith and salvation seriously. You know, the old turn or burn argument. But what if this text was a calling upon us to really examine our lives and to focus on faithful living? I mean, if we think about it, I mean, we start logically that we are all children of God. And that as children of God, we have a desire to know God, to lead lives that honor God and that please God. Then this passage tells me that we are on a mission from God. And that on that mission for God, that we are not to judge one another. That we are to bloom where we are planted. And that we're to bring out the best in the people around us. See, we are called to live this way for the sake of God's kingdom. We are called to live this way because we truly are on a mission from God in heaven to the kingdom of earth for the sake of God's kingdom. Now, the desire to judge one another is as old as creation itself. 
If you think about the fall where Adam and Eve and the snake and the apple from the tree of knowledge, you remember what happens? Adam and Eve take the bite of the apple and they soon know everything and they are embarrassed. And God wanders through the garden looking for them. When he finally finds them, he realizes what has happened and he convicts them. And immediately Adam goes, it's not my fault, it's hers. And immediately she goes, it's not my fault, it's the snake's. You see, what we want to do is that we try to blame others. We try to judge others for self-preservation. To take the spotlight off of ourselves. Anyone that has spent a lot of time observing middle schoolers knows that's really how middle school operates. It works on this idea of the pressure to conform so that you're not different. That's why they all dress alike. That's why they adopt the same mannerism. Because standing out invites unwanted attention at an awkward time in our lives. And so what happens is is that when someone stands out, everyone points out their faults. Why? Not because they have those faults, because it takes the spotlight off of our own faults. It hides our own imperfections. But this idea of judgment manifests itself sometimes in the religious realm as well. I mean, the Pharisees were always quick to point out other people's foibles because they knew that they too weren't living up to the fullness of the law. But yet, they wanted to point it out so that the spotlight was off of them. They wanted to cast judgment because they thought they were superior, but also so that no one would notice their faults. It reminds me that we in the clergy world, sometimes that we to get judged as judgers. I remember when we moved to Huntersville, I'd come home from church one Sunday morning and my neighbors were in the driveway having a tailgate party with all of the accoutrements of a tailgate party. And as I got out of church, one of them said, you're probably judging us for not going to church and doing this instead on a Sunday morning. And I looked at him and I said, no worries, that's way above my pay grade. I mean, I want you to come to church with me, don't get me wrong, but I'm not judging you. That's way out of my league. I have enough faults of my own. Now, I tell you this not because I am a holier-than-thou person or anything like that or because I'm greater than that. I'm telling you this because I know that they didn't have it figured out. I don't have it figured out. And my guess is you don't have it all figured out either. So why are we judging each other rather than trying to lift each other up? What would it happen if we realized that we are all on a mission from God and we do our best to inspire others, to model the best life that we know so that others may pick it up and adopt it and that others may challenge us to live a better life as well? And we invite each other to walk alongside us on this journey to a better life simply because we are on a mission from God. Last week's sermon, I talked about planting grass and tending a lawn and how sometimes when you plant grass in tough places, it sometimes struggles to grow. And one of you shared with me via email this week a story of your father who lived out in, when y'all lived out in Arizona about trying to grow Bermuda grass in the middle of a desert environment. And that reminded me of a story and something that I witnessed several years ago when my wife Mary had a, 
a psychotherapist conference out in Las Vegas. I mean, of all fun places and of all unique places to have a psychotherapist conference. I mean, I went along just to see what this would look like. But while she was in meetings all day, I toured around and looked to see what there was near and far in the Nevada landscape. Let me tell you, the predominant color in the desert southwest is brown. I mean, there are shades of brown that I didn't know existed until I started to look at the vistas of the landscaping. But I can remember I was driving along the highway headed from the Hoover Dam back towards Las Vegas, and there was this spot of green in the distance, this oasis of green in the middle of the brown desert. And as I got closer, I realized it was somebody that had fought the good fight that had planted a yard, and it was a green yard. And it was such a welcome sight right there in the middle of the desert. As I think of this text today, what comes to mind is we're on this mission from God is that we are to bloom where we are planted. See, the soul of our lives is the good soil where God's Word is planted and grows then we must bloom where we are planted no matter what. We must bloom where we are planted no matter what. I can remember walking along the street, going to lunch one day, and there in the middle of the sidewalk, up against the wall, was an impatient growing out of the sidewalk and against a brick wall. And if you'd have told me that that was the perfect place to plant an impatient I would have thought, that's crazy, but yet here it was. The seed had found just enough room to grow and to bloom. So what would it look like if we were bloom where we were planted at home, at work, in our neighborhoods, in the schools, in the marketplace, within our communities? In 1986, President Ronald Reagan, talking about the government intervention in the market, he said, the nine scariest words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Now, when he said it, there was a good laugh that came up. There was a bit of reality, maybe. There was some discussion about public policy. But taking a cue from that, what if we rearrange the words? What if we use some creative license? And what if as you and I gazed out upon a world crying out for need, crying out with great suffering, what if we decided to bloom where we are planted and we said to the world, I'm from Centenary United Methodist Church and I'm here to help. And what if we intervened in the problems that the world faces and the problems faced by the people around us? What kind of oasis of hope might you and I provide in a desert of despair and need if we listened empathetically and compassionately to those around us, our neighbors, our friends, our students, our co-workers? Or what if we rolled up our sleeves to help a harried colleague finish a project on time? Or if we aided an at-risk or infirm neighbor to straighten their yard up so that it was beautiful and orderly like they liked it? Or what if we started a conversation or struck up a friendship with someone that we pass regularly on the street but that we don't know, but we recognize that we see them day in 
and day out. Or what if we reached out to the school teachers that we know and we said, how can I help you? How can I help your students in the midst of all the turmoil of the pandemic? Or what if we prayed for those who serve our community so well? See, these are just some ways that you or I can bloom where we are planted because we are on a mission from God. And we bloom right where God puts us. But this text also challenges us to bring out the best in each other, not just ourselves. See, the joy of going to college in a very small town when I did was that I got to know all the people in the town, and by that I mean all the people in the town. When the fire alarm got pulled at 2 in the morning, I got to know the fire chief really well. Week in and week out, belt dorms seem to always have a false alarm. But I also got to see the fire chief in town during the week. Got to know the banker, the parents in the church where I was volunteering and helping out. One such person was named Joanne Shackelford. And Joanne was one of those people that just knew something about everyone's life. And she took it on her mission from God to celebrate what there was to celebrate in the community. She would gather old bed sheets, and when she would find out that there was something to, to celebrate, she would spray paint a message. And then, since her house was right there at the town limits, she would post that bed sheet right there on the telephone pole and the guy wire so that all would see. Messages like, Lordy, Lordy, look who's turned 40, or isn't it nifty that so-and-so's 50, or announcing retirements, or births, or engagements, or weddings, or promotions. But that wasn't enough for Joanne to be just the, the bedsheet lady in town that would post these messages. She also volunteered as a crossing guard at the elementary school, helping people, children, and their parents get across the street safely. And she decided to make it fun. She came up with the wackiest of costumes for all those seasonally correct holidays. And the wackier the costume, the better. It didn't matter if it embarrassed her own daughters or not. She did it to make the children laugh and to have fun to entertain their parents. She endeared herself to the community and to all the people that she got to know. She seemed to bring out the best in all of us. And later in life, as she was approaching middle age, she was diagnosed with non-smokers lung cancer. And as the days grew shorter and shorter, the town realized that they were about to lose a jewel. And so for one glorious Friday afternoon, the entire town was covered in bedsheets. Messages to Joanne as her husband drove her through town to see messages of thanks and celebration for her and her life. You see, Joanne lived as if she was on a mission from God because in her heart she knew she was. So my brothers and sisters, if we are on a mission from God, what can we do today? What can we do this week? What can we do this month to bring out the best in each other, not only for each other, but for the sake of the world around us? See, God's words of grace and peace and love 
are planted in the soil of our souls by one who loves each of us. And we bear the fruit of that crop. We are on a mission from God. So let us not judge one another. Let us bloom where we are planted. Let us bring out the best in each other. Not only for the sake of the world, but simply because we are on a mission from God for all the world to see. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.